Bismillah. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Get a Grip with Coach Elix. I'm your host, Coach Elix, and with me, my amazing co-host. Stephen Frederick is here. Also known as Stephen Demedium. Also uh -huh. known as my amazing husband. Hi, and welcome. And, and an attorney also. Oh, an attorney. I don't. I didn't forget that. That's sort of important. Yeah. Um, ESQ, Esquire. So how are you, Stephen? Real good. I'm doing <laughs> real, real good. Like, there's nothing to complain about. Absolutely nothing to complain about. No. And since last um, show, we have a number of updates. We are heading to NYC to see an amazing show. I surprise you. Hello. You're welcome. And then we are heading to Los Angeles to uh, do some work in L.A., Santa Monica. Then we're heading to Palm Springs for some fun. So what do you think about that? As I said, nothing to complain about. I am so excited for both those destinations. And both those destinations are really, I think, like my two favorite places to go. I you know, know, we love going to New York. And when we go to L.A. and especially even Palm Springs, it's it's something I look forward to. And, and New York was like a surprise uh, last minute. And you want to tell people why we're going to New York? And why I surprised you? And it was quite the surprise that we are going to see Moulin Rouge. Yes. And the headliner is Boy George. And I cannot wait. Boy George is one of my favorite pop artists, artists and I cannot wait to get an opportunity to see him. So, how about you? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come I love him. I love him. How do you not love him? And and to be honest, Elix, I didn't even know he was on Broadway. I had no idea until you surprised me. So it's, it's you know, and it's a win-win. We get to do that. I get to be with you. We get to see my family. And we're going to have a really great time. I can't wait. And, and by the way, the other day at the gym, I was so excited. I was telling people about it. And uh, there were a couple of people that looked at me and like, I don't know who Boy George is. And what? I'm like, I don't know what to do about this. You should have dropped a weight on their head. I, I almost did. <laughs> I, I immediately thought, I, I cannot be your friend. I cannot be your friend. Thankfully, they're not one of those people in my inner circle because if they were, I would have just, you know, taken take them off the list ASAP. Because yes. that is just not right. Can you imagine no, somebody I, not knowing? It's like somebody saying, I don't know who Barbara Streisand is. No, I mean, I mean unless you're living, regardless of your age, unless you're living under a rock, I don't understand how you wouldn't know who Boy George is, just saying. And you know us, gay people. We are, you know, we are obsessed with our icons. Uh, so when somebody says, I don't know, an icon, icon for us, I'm like, We're, it's, it's offensive, actually. So, you know, so yeah, so, so there. Um, talking about gay icons, um, how about Miley Cyrus winning? I thought you were going to talk first... about me. <laughs> we can talk about you next. But how about Miley Cyrus winning her, her first, first Grammy? Grammy? I yeah. mean, seriously, I felt that in my heart. Yes. And I think gays everywhere from all over the world felt it the same way. 
Of course. Yeah, we yeah. we were cheering for her, and it was like a moment. I felt like I was on stage myself with her. So yeah. she is absolutely, absolutely fabulous. And if you don't know what we're talking, if you're just rolling your eyes, move along, Betty. That's what we say. Um, so and what you else? Know, also, yeah. You know what yeah, also won that Grammys, which was amazing. And I mean, and, and she is up there. I think I think she's eighty. I think she's 80 years old, but Joni Mitchell also sang one of the songs that that was just so attached to her, Both Sides Now, and that was incredible. I mean, that's Super before movie. our time, but it yes. was it was just you to, to hear her, you know. To, and you know what I did? I, I went. I, I've done this before. I've seen her. Um, I think when she was on Mama Cass's show. And she sang uh, both sides now when it had just just come out. Or I think she, she it was out and she redid it, and then it became very very popular. But just to just to see that so many of the people that were that she was singing her Mama Cass and some other woman that I don't know, and I know clearly that uh, Mama Cass is dead. And the other one I looked up and she's dead. And the fact that Joni is still you know rocking it at eighty and singing and sounded so great was pretty amazing. Yeah, and um, and there was another duet. Um, it was Tracy Chapman and uh, oh God, I can't be I can't believe I forgot the name of the um, um, these country artists, and that was pretty awesome, also. But and a- after that, Elix Tracy Luke, Luke Cha- Combs. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And her um her song, you dr- uh, um, I drive a fast car. Or you drive a fast car. It hit number one after she was on the Grammys. Yeah, of, of course. I I. She's amazing. Ah, amazing. I would believe that. So then the other thing uh, that will interest all of you is that um, yesterday I had a very long business day. I ended up meeting a client for dinner. And, of course, Stephen was in hysterics because that meant he had nothing to eat (laughs) and he didn't know what he was going to do. And he just, you know, I, I... I'm surprised you didn't call your girlfriend Jillian to come to the rescue, but nevertheless, I got a lot of girlfriends. Uh, I well, but she's the one that you know sucks up to you big time. No, so anyway, are very close. Yes, I'm sure she's listening. I'm sure you'll be getting a text soon. Anyways, um, he texts me to say he went to a local store near our house. It's a pretty awesome store, and he got some bread and some chicken salad. So I'm like, oh, that's that's nice. I said, I mean, I did leave you some homemade pizza. And he's like, I don't know, I forgot. Well, nevertheless. So he had the chicken salad and bread, and I'm thinking he's all set. And I come home last night, and he's like, I'm like, did you eat? He's like, yeah. I'm like, why are you saying it like that? Well, because it the sandwich didn't look right. I'm thinking to myself, what? I mean, how would a sandwich not look right? Like you cut the bread, you put the chicken salad, you cut another piece of bread, and voila, there's a sandwich. No, it it just didn't look right. And what exactly is it that you said? It it look it came apart or what or something like that? Yeah, it can't like it, it came apart like in sections. First of all, for the majority of my existence, I am a pescatarian. I don't eat meat. Chicken very 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 seldom. The only reason why I was forced into it 
like I had no choice either I was going to eat or I was going to die was that at this boutique deli, they just didn't have anything. They didn't have tuna salad, which is what I wanted. That was my preference. Then they had like mac and cheese, like in the little containers. And I'm like, that's no, this, it's too much. It's too heavy. So I'm like, oh, I'll just get this chicken salad and I'll, you know, suck it up and eat it. And then when I was going to put the bread in the toaster, but then it's a long story, but I would have had four sections, and I don't I mean, know. Ima- what the hell imagine happened. that. I mean, so I don't. I I still don't even know how. What four sessions is a loaf of bread? You cut it and put it in the, a toaster oven, and that's it. it. Put the chicken it salad on top. It didn't happen that way, Elix. It didn't. It just didn't happen because I was looking at, and I bought the loaf of bread there, and I was looking at it in. First of all, it wasn't sliced, so it's not like I could just pull out two pieces like Wonder Bread. So I had to cut it, and and of course, as I, I was feeding the dogs, and as I was feeding them, every every like two seconds, I was taking a slice of the bread because I have issues with bread, and I almost ate the whole loaf, pretty much. Mm-hmm. That, that's why I was and, out running this morning, and and, and then but then when I finally. I'm like, wait a minute, do, how do I cut it so it looks like bread, like a sandwich? And then I cut it, and then I'm like, oh, I don't think this is the right way. And then I had to cut it again. And then before you knew it, I had four little pieces of chicken salad all over the pl- – oh, it, yeah, it, it was good, though. It tastes good. Mm-hmm. So, so I, And I lived. I want to live. One may wonder how. How has he survived all these years? Exactly. Before, before me, I have no idea. But anyway, so so there's that, and uh, and by the way, by the way, let me just say he had some homemade pizza, and the homemade pizza came because last Sunday, if you're listening for the first time, take note, every Sunday at 7, Stephen and I go live on social media, so it's, on, it's, it's broadcasted on Instagram, Facebook, and where else? Or those are the two? No, Facebook and YouTube. I- Oh, YouTube. I, I'm That's still right. playing with Instagram to get okay, it on okay. there. Okay, okay. Okay, so if you're on social media, you can catch us live every Sunday at 7, and it's called Sundays with Steelix. And it's a format where um, the two of us, we go into the kitchen, I do a recipe, um, people cook along with me, and then Stephen reads people. And it's a lot of fun. It's, it's You know, you're going to hear things like Stephen tried to make a sandwich, and he had no idea how to cut a loaf of bread. So last Sunday, I did a a homemade pizza, a pizza dough, because um, I did the dough, but I didn't bake it until the following day, and I posted the picture on social media. But it was was pretty, it was a hit, Stephen. I mean, we got a lot of feedback from, from the pizza, and I did a pesto sauce, and this Sunday at seven, we're gonna do our live. is actually gonna is gonna uh, it's gonna be about teaching people how to make the pesto sauce, and it's it's not just traditional pesto sauce. So I'll leave it at that. Is honey roasted pistachio pesto sauce. So it's pretty amazing. Would you say that? Yes, it's going to uh, Elix's cooking school one hundred and one. Right, and then Stephen gets to do a lot of readings. And talking about a lot of readings, Stephen, anything going on with you? Yes, there's always good things going on with me. 
Mm-hmm. Like amazing readings that I do. So if you want to check that out, go to stephenthemedium.com. But I have an event on Sunday, which is sold out, and it's in Yarmouth, and I can't wait to do this. It's a, it's relatively a, a smaller, much smaller group. It's I think sixteen people, and this event like sold out within a day. I think it was less than twenty four hours. So this is really exciting to get to do this. It's Sunday at, at four p.m., and I will definitely. Uh, if it happens again there, I definitely will let people know. But if it does happen again, you got to get your tickets really fast. Yeah, it's it's going to sell out. And the good thing about these small venues or small events is that everyone gets a reading. So it becomes... And, and, and let, me, let me just yeah. tell you something before we go quickly. So I did a reading yesterday from a, a woman who was in Germany. Yes. And I haven't, I haven't said this to anybody. During the end of the reading, I kept hearing someone say, uh, I'm an electrician, so bring it up. Bring up that the bring up the profession and, and she'll know. I'm reading this woman from in Germany, so I say to her, "Oh, um, somebody's coming through, and they keep talking. They're um in a um uh, a, a lec- um I for the life of me could not get out the word electrician. It would not come. It was blocked and it was <laughs> completely blocked. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, it, it's such an easy word, electrician. This is which your profession. How do how is it not coming in my mind? Now this is recorded because it's a Zoom call. I'm tr- trying and trying. I'm like, oh my god. And, and so I said to her, um, the woman I was reading, I'm like, the, the the profession. And she was like, an electrician. And I'm like, oh my god. How would I like? How was I not able to get that word? She looked at me and said, Stephen. Minutes before the reading started, I was jotting some things down that I was hoping would come up. The person that was connected to blah, blah, blah would come up. So clearly this person was coming, did come up. He was an electrician. But she said, when I was writing it, I couldn't spell electrician. And I kept saying, how come I can't write electrician? Like, how come I can't get the word out on paper? It was it was just phenomenal, that connection, that energy connection. Really what it was about was spirit connecting the two of us to say, listen, even before you came on to the reading, we were with you. So we're doing this purposely to Stephen so that you can see, you know, we can, he can validate it. It was amongst many, many validations in that reading. It was incredible. Wow. Wow. I saw I saw a portion of that and it's it was mind blowing. So you you too can have that. You just have to go to Stephen the Medium and um, and check out Stephen's availability. But it doesn't matter where you are, as you can as you just heard, he just had somebody from Germany. But you know what's important now? We need to take a um, small break. Commercial, commercial break. Commercial break. Commercial and, and break. by the way, my girlfriend Jillian did text me. Of course she did. Of course she did. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to take a small commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to have a really amazing guest and a very interesting conversation, Kelly Finn. And Kelly is a man, by the way. So I know that people hear Kelly and they make an assumption that he's a, a female. But, you know, today we're talking to Kelly, who is a man. He's a licensed clinical clinical social worker and a licensed independent substance abuse counselor in Arizona, Colorado, and New York. And today, as you saw from our promo, today's uh, conversation is about Thrive Mind, a place to heal and grow. So when we come back, we are going to talk to Kelly Finn about hate, traumatic reactions to hate on the brain, and how we can make the world a better place while we're here heal and grow. And Stephen, I cannot think of a better subject given the, the, the world that we live in today 
than today's subject. subject. So stay tuned. Stay with us. We'll come back shortly. We'll be right back. And hello, everyone, and welcome back to Get a Grip with Coach Elix. I'm your host, Coach Elix, and with me, my amazing co-host. Stephen the Medium is here. A.K.A. Attorney Stephen the Medium or Stephen the Medium, my husband. Yes. And today, what was that, Stephen? I said yes. <laughs> I'm and agreeing. To, you, that you better be agreeing after 30 <laughs> plus years. Today we are talking about hate, healing, and growth. And we have an amazing guest, Kelly Finn. Kelly has a true passion for discovering the inner resources and healing that people innately have in watching this fuel their growth. His passion for making people better, he makes a change in their lives, making the world a better place for them and for everyone else. And we are talking to Kelly today about hate and how we can improve our world. What an amazing subject. So please help me welcome Kelly Finn. Hello, Kelly. Hi. How, how are, are you? you? <laughs> I'm good. Nice to meet you too. Well, it's very nice to meet you. Kelly, welcome to our show. Last week, we had um, the person that introduced us to you, who happens, mm -hmm. I believe, you you guys are, are partners, um, and uh, we got to introduce to you by Deborah uh, Diario, who is happens mm -hmm. to be a friend. He, she's been a guest several times on the show. So let's start with that. Tell us a little bit about how you two connected and okay. um, tell us a little bit about you and what it is that you're doing um, with that initiative. So Deborah and I met when she was doing um, an education program for a place called Valera where we both worked. So, yes. um, so that's where we met. We connected. She left there in February, but we've been talking ever since about getting our own thing going on. So um, I have... Thrive Mind, as you mentioned, it's a um, it's a counseling company that uh, I I and one other person began, and uh, Deborah has begun a different company, uh, and we have um, we have connected. Her company is Sunstone, uh, and we've connected as partners. So. So, and, and tell us about, Kelly, tell us about, you know, your career and what it is. Why why does this matter to you? It seems like this is purpose-driven. So tell us a little bit more mm -hmm. about that. Well, that's one thing that I always have wanted to do is help people, um, help people with their problems and getting through major, major issues. Um, all of my career, almost all of my career has been with community mental health, which is a lot of trauma work. So, and I've really, really enjoyed helping people through it. It's, it's tough sometimes, but I've really enjoyed it. So. And, and let me ask you this. So we wanted to talk about hate Mm -hmm. why do you think this is an important conversation that we should all be having in today's world? Um, yeah, today's world. That's, that's easy. <laughs> um, if you look at all the, you know, the headlines lately, um, 
anti-Semitic crimes, anti-Palestinian crimes, anti-LGBTQ crimes, um, so much going on. And just the the things that I hear um, people saying um, just kind of splits people, right? Mm -hmm. Families are splitting apart over this stuff. Um, Even a few years ago, Donald Trump was a very divisive figure that when I watched my family, there were some people that were very much for him, some very against him, and they stopped talking to each other and uh, all this. And that's all it's all generated by this hate that gets generated through, um, through I think, through trauma. Well, say say more about that. Why, where, where, where the, where is that connection between hate and trauma, according to your experience? And how how do you define hate for those who are listening? So, so I would say that hate as as a natural normal process would just be an emotion that we have. Um, and then if we can, if we can deal with our emotions very well, then we feel it, we hear the message and we move through it. But what happens with trauma is that part of our brain gets short circuited and it can be one of two ways, which is interesting because I hadn't even thought of this, of the, second way until I saw somebody talking about it uh, recently. But the first way is the way I've always thought of it is that our, like our cerebral cortex, the, the part of us that thinks, that thinks through things, shuts mm. off and our emotions completely take over. Um, and we don't have any like regulation going on. Um, that's what I saw in a lot of the clients that I worked with. Um, and if that happens, then that emotion just completely takes over and there's, there's no natural process to get it to stop and we just react to everything. Um, but there's also some people where the emotional system will shut off and only the problem-solving system is there. The problem with that is that there's no empathy anymore. And so then if, if hate, if, if trauma generates that response and hate hits you and you go straight into problem solving with no empathy, you can see where that could be a major problem as well. Yeah, of course. Now, now let me ask you this, Kelly. So, cause I'm thinking I would, I would imagine that all of us have experienced trauma at one point point in our life or another. I mean, of course, some trauma is more significant, bigger than other trauma, but, you know, each of us would define what that, what trauma is for, for ourselves. So are you saying that we, each individual gets triggered based on the news, based on what's going on, and that we get triggered by our own trauma and that's what triggers this collective response that we're just, we can call it that, 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 that hate that is being generated across the world today. Yeah, yeah, I think that there's a lot of untreated trauma out there. There's a lot of people that have not, some people go through trauma, right, and they're resilient and they, they don't experience this. 
they might experience temporarily what I just talked about, but they don't keep experiencing it. But then there's a lot of people that it just builds up and they have this reaction all the time that uh, they're not able to process it well. And I think like in our current world, um, just like there's so much that we are exposed to day by day by day through the news, through the, through the TV. Even if you don't watch TV or the news, you hear about it from somewhere because everybody's talking about this stuff. Yes. Um, starting with 9-11. <laughs> they talked about how that was like trauma for the whole United States. Um, and then, then since then, we've had so much. We've had the pandemic. We've had, um, we've had a lot of the, the anti-LGBTQ stuff. Um, a lot of that. Um, especially in the last few years. We've had the Israel-Gaza conflict. I mean, so much. A lot of political drama, of course. Yes. So, you know, Kelly, I I have so many questions, um, but we do need to take a short break. So hang in there, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to continue a conversation about hate, healing, and growth with Kelly Finn. We'll be right back. And hello, everyone, and welcome back to Get a Grip with Coach Elix. I'm your host, Coach Elix, and with me, my amazing co-host, Stephen Frederick. Stephen Frederick, who is an attorney, a medium, and most importantly, my husband of 30-plus years. And today, we're having a conversation about hate, healing, and growth with Kelly Finn. Kelly, welcome back to the show. Thank you. And Kelly, you brought up the connection between traumatic reactions um, to hate on the brain, hate itself. One thing, Kelly, as I'm hearing uh, you talk about hate in all these sources that 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 has have contributed to to this world hate conversation, I I. For myself, I think of hate as poison, and hate, it's just not healthy. And I often say, when you hold on to hate, you're taking the poison. But the problem is, you're taking the poison expecting somebody else to die. Mm -hmm. But you're taking the poison. So hate, it's really impacting you personally. It's not impacting the person that you hate, it's impacting you personally. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? I would. I would agree with, uh, as you said, when you hold on to hate. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there are times when we will feel it, but if we know that it's a feeling and we move past it, then you know, it's going to be fine. But if we hold on to it, that's when we're drinking the poison. I agree. Mm-hmm. And how? What would you say as as a therapist, as a counselor, as somebody who has the experience in dealing with people who have experienced trauma in their life, um, how what would you say to anyone who who feels that they're in that place where they're they're holding on to these hateful thoughts, these hateful conversations? How would you counsel them to get out of that space? I would help them to see what's actually happening. I think awareness is the first thing, like being aware of what this is doing. Like you said, the poison, like what is 
what is actually happening in your life so that you can see how the poison is spreading in you, right? So, so getting them more aware of the consequences of everything they're doing and saying. And if somebody says to you, but how, I, how do I practice awareness? What would you, what would you recommend? What's an exercise that you recommend that they do? Huh, there's so many. Um, so it depends on what you're, what you're trying to be aware of, but, um, I will, I will have them practice what's happening in their body sometimes. Mm. Um, just noticing that it's really all about starting that process of noticing, noticing what's happening in your body, noticing what your thoughts are, mm. uh, noticing what you're feeling and just kind of, I would help direct them because if they are, if they're stuck in their emotions, they have a hard time noticing body and thoughts. So I will, I would be helping guide them through that. Um, if they're stuck in their thought process, then they have a hard time noticing their body and emotions. So I would help guide them through that as well. So with that note, Stephen, I know you have a question, so go ahead. Kelly, it's really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I, when just listening to the conversation, and not to hop back on politics, but it's an election year, and I guess it's just a really kind of an easy analogy. If you mm -hmm. have somebody, a, a younger person, say a son, who is growing up in a family that is as conservative as you can get, but also like a, maybe a father who has a lot of hate, has, you know, even putting aside if, what the trauma was or how he got there, and, and just constantly, as his son is growing up, is just hearing this this opinion from the father, the sort of the, the, the hatred, and this boy living in this family just just inherits that and adopts that. And it, it, it doesn't necessarily see or feel like this boy now maybe at 18 years old or 21 years old has any overt sort of trauma, but it, it, but just comes to a place of just... I guess, in, for all intents and purposes, hating the other side, hating hating the progressive side, the left mm -hmm. side, and just having the same sort of, you know, behavior or feeling that the father did. Are you saying then there is a, a form that is a form of trauma, or are you saying that like this person doesn't this kid doesn't necessarily have to go through trauma to get there? It was just the environment. I would actually call that a form of trauma. Um, the, it's, it's interesting. There's a, there's a guy, his name is Richard Schwartz and he has a whole therapy that he designed called internal family systems therapy. And he would call that, he calls traumas burdens that we have. And he would call that a legacy burden that you inherited that from your family. I, I love that, Kelly, because, you know, I, I, I'm a big proponent, and I think Elix mentioned it earlier, that I don't think we can sort of, you know, put trauma into different levels. And I love that you said that, because I think some people just think, well, if it's not this big, explosive kind of experience, well, that's not really trauma. Oh, that's, a, you know, that's a little discomfort. And I, I just am in such a proponent of 
you know, I think it's for us to to define in, in these experiences. I think trauma just runs the gamut on so many levels. So it's, it's really good to hear that. Yeah. Well, but part two of that question, Kelly, how would a young person come out of that situation? So again, I think that they would they would need to. Uh, one of the things I, I have said is that in order to conquer this problem of hate, we need to um, we need to value mental health care. Mm-hmm. Right? We need to we need to get more people into mental health care. We need to normalize it, um, and then more people would use that. Just like we all go to the doctor for physical health, right? Mm-hmm. But mental health is somehow this this thing on the side that some people need, not everybody. And everybody really does need it. And if we could normalize it, then that kid could just, you know, on a mental health checkup, <laughs> we could we could be working with that kid. Yeah, I mean I I I I agree with you and I think that Mental health is something that we should all be talking about, and it should no longer. I mean, years ago it was a taboo; nobody wanted to talk about it, or mm-hmm. you know, it's looked upon as you know something that oh my god, there's something wrong with you, you know. But I don't, I don't have the statistic in front of me, but I will tell you, you know, when Stephen was talking about that specific situation, I know that there's a very large statistics of young people who end up committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Because they experience that level of uh, what Richard calls legacy trauma, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am familiar with the internal family um, um, system, and um, but the, but the but again, how do we prevent somebody, a young person, to get to that to 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 take their life because they're already experiencing that and they don't have access to mental health because they've never been you know talked they've never were talked about it or they don't know about it or or they're too young for that matter because that that can be the case too i've known very Mm -hmm. young people who wouldn't they wouldn't be able to take themselves to a mental health counselor so how Mm -hmm. how do we combat that i think we need to we need to try to get some policies out there, some um, just some awareness to the public of how important mental health is. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I'm here. Yeah. What advice I, would you give parents? And Stephen, I'm sorry to interrupt you. So as far uh, well, I would say that you want to you want to see what your kid is doing. You want to always be um, aware of how they're doing and if they're isolating a lot, if they're, um, if they seem like they're sullen a lot, uh, then you might want to consider some help for them. Well, you know what, Kelly, Kelly, I'm I'm sorry for interrupting you. Go ahead, Stephen. No, no, go ahead. 
I was going to say, Kelly, to, to bring it down to a level of people that are listening, if I was at a bus stop and I just started talking to you and you told me what you did, and I said that I, I brought up the example of what I just talked about with this young kid who's now 21 and has lived this life, and I said to you, Kelly, you're the expert, I'm his uncle, and I completely see where this is going, do, do I have any power on my end? Do, is there anything that, that I can do to, to maybe broach the subject? Or, you know, I, I see where my nephew's going this young with all this hate as his uncle. And again, mm -hmm. not his father, not his mother, but as his uncle. Okay. Is there something that I can do? I, I feel hopeless or helpless. And is there anything that, that you would be able to advise, Kelly, if I did just ask you that question? Yeah. Well, I would say I, I would maybe help them um, role play how they might say something to the parents, because uh, really, if you can get the parents on board, that's that's the main number one thing, because in our society right now, the parents have to be the ones that um, that sign off on mental health care. Unless if the kid is like 16 or 17, the kid could probably go in themselves. So. The uncle could talk to the kid. Well, I think I think it's at least giving some promise to to whomever is looking at this and and just in a a, a more sort of open mind and and seeing again d d just their perception of seeing that hate is at least something that they they can possibly do because mm -hmm. I'm sure that happens across the world. I mean, especially right now. So. Oh yeah, yeah. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking of me. Like, I grew up gay in a very conservative family. So um, I experienced that internalized hate. And I actually tried to commit suicide a couple of times. And uh, luckily, I did not succeed. And I am where I am right now. Um, so another reason why I really, really value mental health and you are where you are because of the mental health support that you received as a young person. Yes. Mm, that's that's that right there is a is a takeaway for any of you listening. Another takeaway, Kelly, is we do need to take another commercial break. So hang in there. We have more questions okay. for you. We'll be right back. Okay. And hello, everyone. Welcome back to Get a Grip with Coach Elix. I'm your host, Coach Elix, and with me, my amazing co-host, uh, Stephen Frederick. Stephen the medium, Stephen my husband, and today we're having an amazing conversation with Kelly Finn, and it's a conversation about hate, heal, and growth. Kelly, welcome back to our show. Thank you. So Kelly, we, we're at the very last segment of the show, but I do, I, I want you, I wanna give you an opportunity our audience, to, to talk to our audience. Our audience are, is the day-to-day person some of our audiences may be dealing with the hate conversations at work mm -hmm. hate conversations at home hate conversations uh within family members and one thing that i've learned is that one person can make a difference one person can create a collective reaction to change change or pave the way for something new. And that's what we need right now. We need to collectively 
change these conversations because this is, if we continue down the road of this hate conversation, it's only going to get worse. So what would you say to that everyday person? They're listening. They want to be an agent for change. They don't know how to be that agent for change. What would you say to that individual at home today? I would say when you're when you're in the midst of a conversation and you feel like hate is showing up, um, just try to see what's underneath that hate in that person. Um, try to find what it is that they're struggling with because really hate's all about a struggle. And try to, when you understand what that person really wants underneath the hate, then try to address that, um, kind of validating the needs of that person and at the same time not giving in to the hate. Mm. And I, I would add to that, you know, listen, avoid getting hijacked by mm-hmm. your own respond response mm-hmm. to what you're hearing or what you're feeling, right? Because if you get hijacked, yes. then there's there's no room to change exactly. the conversation, right? So, yeah, that so, hijack, that's that's that emotion turning on too too strong or turning completely off. That's the hijacking, yes. Yes. And I, I love what you said because that's what I call, and actually Deborah talked about that last week, it's that listening to connect. Listening mm-hmm. to connect, it's not listening to confirm, it's not listening to, to reject, it's just really listening to understand somebody else's mm-hmm. world, to really connect with that person's world. Because often when we connect with perhaps what may be happening in their world, you know, why they may be responding the way they're responding is at minimum, it gives room, it gives, creates an opening for empathy. And Mm -hmm. empathy is what creates trust in, 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 Mm -hmm. in, in our brain. And, uh, and I think trust is necessary to, to make the shift and change this conversation. Would you agree with that? Yes. And I I would add empathy is a necessary ingredient to compassion, which is really the opposite of hate. Yeah, I I love that. Go ahead, Stephen. I I was going to say also as a attorney turned medium and when I teach courses, I, I, you know, not necessarily based in hate, but one thing that we we talk about in my class is using something that's that's not not that's non-physical that you don't see that even you know if you if if someone followed your instructions and you know Kelly and at the end of the day it, it feels like they got nowhere they they tried to get under those layers but the person is just you know ha, has the walls up and is just so far into this hate i think maybe uh, a great thing to do also using what you you both talked about with empathy and compassion is go home and just um, be silent, you know, take a couple of deep breaths in and send your positive energy to the person. I think that yeah. a lot of people don't understand how just potent that is and, and, and how positive it is because we're all energy. It's just maybe something else people can do to help. Yeah. I've, I've done that in group therapy guided what we call meta meditation from Buddhism 
which yes. is basically that. Yeah, I, I I love that, and you know, and it's 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 really important, and and I think, like Elix said, for the collective. <sighs> push, I guess. It's it's really, really important. I think it's just an, another piece. Listen, we're in a multi-sensory kind of world right now, so it just means even more so that it will um, it will it will help. Yeah. You know, Stephen, one of the things, Kelly, um, I, I'm, I've been open to talk about uh, my relationship with my dad years ago. And uh, and then uh, in 2012, he got sick with multiple myeloma and I was confronted with, you know, I, I, I really need to forgive, forgive because uh, if I don't, then I'm gonna be taking the poison, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and Stephen, you said to me often, oh my, how did you get there? How did you get there? And as soon as I just heard you talked about empathy and compassion, that's really how I got there. Somehow, mm-hmm. some way, you know, I created this space for being having empathy about who he was and why he did what he did, and then that created that opening for compassion. And the moment compassion showed up, forgiveness showed up, and it was easy. Mm-hmm. It was it became effortless, you know, to forgive. And the moment I forgave, then I no longer had access to the poison. It was gone. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope our listeners are, you know, taking notes. I hope this conversation was valuable for all of you. I think this is something that we are all experiencing. And just as you said, Kelly, we experienced it the moment we turned the TV on because a lot of the, our input right now, it's just negative, 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 negative. So, Kelly, tell everyone how can people get a hold of you, those those uh, who are listening, who may want to follow you, who may want to learn more about you, who may want to connect with you, how can they connect with you? So right now, the the best way would be um, either they can they can go to the website there uh, thrivemindtherapy.net, um, or they can send me an email at Kelly at thrivemindtherapy.net. Fabulous. So, and Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time, for your time, for your attention. You shared it with us so generously, and uh, we're very happy to have you here, and we look forward to having you back. Thank you again. Uh, I would love to come back. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks, Kelly. And with that said, we really are at the top of the hour, Stephen. How, how fast did that go? It's they, like they always do. Time they flies. just always, you, you, it's like we just start, and then we have to end. Voila, here we are. What what was your takeaway from this conversation, Stephen? I mean, it, I, it, it's so pertinent right now because of the, the, I think Kelly mentioned this, the world we live in, there's there's just, there's hate. There's just, it's, it, it's everywhere. I mean, in my lifetime, just using as an example, the, these, I, there's a term for it, but like when, when these groups of people in the, the middle of the night just like, like bust into a store or even when it's daytime and stores are, are, are like open and running and this group just comes in and, and grabs stuff and leaves and you know I just think that the, 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 how did we get to a place of people having the nerve to do that like growing up I would I, it wouldn't even 
like it just wouldn't even pass through my mind to be able to even fathom doing that. So I, I think this was a really, you know, important conversation to have, w again, with what's going on in the world. And, and if just one person listened and, you know, just finally thinks, you know what, I I'm I'm going to say something or I'm going to try to do something, then then we serve the purpose. Yeah, I, I think, Stephen, it's like somehow uh, because of these collective actions across the world, people have been given permission to covertly be hateful. And I, I, I really think that that is, um, that is part of the problem. Well, I think, I think also overtly, too. I mean, I mean oh, excuse me, overtly. That's what I meant, overtly. Yeah, I mean, people just, like, it doesn't, it, it, it blows my mind. As Kelly mentioned, even if you're not watching the news because you hear things, but just watching things, it, 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 it's like every day there's something to say, oh, my God, I never thought that I would ever see that. Yeah. And, and if anything, take a, if you, anything you want to take away today is that you – Every single one of you, every single one of us can be an agent for change. It just takes one person. One person can change the course, but you have to really believe that you can change the course, and you have to start with yourself. You can just talk to talk and not walk to walk. So I'm inviting every single one of you to be that one, to be that agent for change so that we can change this collective negative conversation about hate in the world. And, and, and we have the spirit world supporting us. And I think when you realize, when you take yourself out of it and just think the majority of people in this world are like you that are not in that hatred mode, I think you have to remember that. Because when you see those incidents, it, it just it, it pulls you right in. And once you realize that, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, that's a minority. The the bigger population is not that. And I think it, it, it just sort of ties to what you just said, Elix, being, you know, and use your energy, use, connect with spirit, connect with your energy and use that amazing energy to help individuals and help this world. Yes, that is right. And right now we need to use our energy to complete our show because Mark's show is coming up next and it's Mark's Jukebox. And you can stay tuned and listen to his amazing music. And Stephen, how can people get a hold of you? Stephen the Medium, anywhere. And anywhere. And if, you, um, if you're not connected with me, you want to look me up at Coach Elix anywhere on social media. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, go whomever. I don't care. The, play, the Patriots are not playing, so we're not into the Super Bowl this year. So go Super Bowl. Bye. Bye.